This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to The Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. Welcome along to The Score with me, Michael Clark, here on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM. Coming up on today's programme, we'll be hearing from three, from the top three. Yes, the top three spots are confirmed, which means only one European place is still up for grabs. We'll be focusing on the playoffs on next week's show, but today we talk to double winners Linfield. We hear from the already European qualified Cole Rain and Glenn Torren. What does it mean for them? And who finishes second out of those last two teams that I just mentioned? That could still change this weekend. It's all coming up on an action-packed edition of The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Kicking off the programme in style, we've got our first guest joining us on the line, Mick McDermott, the Glentora manager, is back on the score. Mick, good to talk to you as always. Thanks for having me. What a crazy season it has been for everybody, but you'll be glad now, I'm sure, that you can say, guaranteed a European spot. Yeah, it's been a long, strange season. Um, and when you take into consideration last season, you know, where we came from, you know, we were one of the four teams that trained to get ready for the Irish Cup and then the Irish Cup and then the European Games and then we're starting the season late and all the games. Yeah, it was, so yeah, long, strange season, but we've we've enjoyed it um, and thankfully we've, we've ended up in a, a European spot. A relief, I'm sure, that you don't have to go through the playoffs and a relief just for your players that they know after Saturday they'll get a little bit of time off at least. Yeah, look, the playoff is a, is a lottery. Um, and it's, there's there's four tough teams going to be in it, so yeah, it's nice to not have to continue playing for another another week in really high pressure games. So yeah, I can't deny that it's nice to uh, be going into the final game of the season on Saturday and knowing that we will be able to give the players, you know, a couple of weeks off to, to refresh themselves and come back to train. I'm sure there were a few Glentoran fans during the Irish Cup final feeling slightly conflicted that they might actually want Linfield to win something. Yeah, you you could probably say that. I'm sure there was people sitting on the fence, or you know they wanted Limfield to win, or they wanted the other team to win. You know, so yeah, I'm sure we had that. Now you know, obviously third place, but second is still potentially there for you. So, um, you know, how likely do you think that is, and 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 how do you you know does it matter at this stage in the season, second or third, or what what way have you measured this campaign? Well, Europe is always a, a target for all the clubs. There's no denying that. That you know, everybody in, the, in that top six, seven, or eight wants to get into a European place. So we're satisfied with getting into uh, Europe in terms of you know that was a a minimum for us. Um, and obviously, trophies are what what everyone wants. Um, but look, we we we've got into Europe. The last game of the season, on Saturday against 
Crusaders, look, we, we go out to win every game. You know, we don't set up to draw or to lose any game. So Saturday will be no different. It's another important game and we'll take, we won't take it lightly. Last year, obviously, as you said, you know, fans want trophies. You were Irish Cup winners. Does it feel, in, in that sense, a little disappointing? You weren't able to replicate that? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, you know, fans want that. Players want that. We want that. You know, the clubs want that at the end of the day. You know, some clubs, some players, some managers go through their whole careers without winning a single medal or trophy. So the vast majority of teams don't. So somebody's got to be the champion. Somebody's got to be the cup winner. And this year, it was Limfield that got both. So, yeah, of course, we'll, we'll be back in the next next year and looking to, to win something. And again, European qualification will be a, a prime prime target as well. The Europa, or the UEFA Conference League, I should say, it's a new thing for everyone to get their teeth into. What do you make of this new European competition? Well, I think the the whole premise behind it was uh, the powers that be at UEFA, you know, trying to get more teams, more games, more money, you know, to try and reward some of the smaller nations, smaller smaller clubs, and I think that's what it's set up to do. And look, we're we're whatever way they want to repackage it, you know. Either we, we would have been in the pre-qualification games for the Europa League or if they rebrand it and rename it and repackage it as the Conference League, well, we don't care really. I mean, at the end of the day, the teams from our league, you want to be either getting into the Champions League, the Europa or the Conference League. Who cares at this point? I think it's, it's not a, it's not a secret that in today's football, modern football, you know, money is important. I mean, it's, it's hard to compete without it. And that's not the only important thing. I mean, obviously, getting into Europe for any team is about the prestige and standing of your club, the you know the recruitment ability of your club to attract players, to keep your current players. You know, players want to compete in Europe. They want to play against the best teams from other countries. So you've got the financial reward, which is we can't deny that that's important. But you've also got all those other uh, benefits that are there, and that, that's one of the reasons we want we want Glen Torn to be in Europe. It builds our brand, it builds our club, gets the fans excited again. So hopefully we, we, we've done that this year. Does that mean then a busy summer in terms of building the squad further and maybe letting a few players go and, and looking at bringing some in? Well, we're, I mean, we brought in eight last summer. We brought in two in January. And so we had, you know, take time for any team to gel together. We, we, we knew that would take, take time after the summer. And it did take us some time. But now we've got a settled squad. But with any squad, it's never stand still. You know, it's, it's so I'm sure there will be some turnover, but it will be minimal. You know, it might be one coming in, two coming in. It might be one going out, two. I don't know yet. We're actually we're, we're having meetings this week to to finalise those plans. But you know, we have a settled squad. We have a good squad. We have a strong squad. And you know, if I started next season with the current squad, I'd, I'd still be happy. So it's not. Like our first year in July 2019, where we brought in 14 players or 15, and then we had to re- scramble again in the January window last summer, bringing in eight. January another two. You know, we're we're far away from that now. So we've got a, a good squad. I'm I'm comfortable with them all. But like I said, in football, there's always people will come and go. Um, but it'll be minimal. There's been some speculation after a very impressive international performance that Dale Coling was going to be subject to a, a big transfer bid. Has any such move materialised? Well, we've had offers. I mean, we've had offers for several of our players, um, including Dale, you know, from, from teams back in his home country, teams in England. 
Um, so we uh, that's that, that's a good thing. I don't mind that, you know, because if you've got offers coming in for your players, it means you've got good players. But we're we're in a Glenthorne's in a financial situation where we can choose to accept an offer or not. You know, the days of Glenthorne needing to move players on to get some money to to pay the bills are are not necessarily there anymore. So we're here to build a squad and build a team and build a strong one, and we've got a strong one. So if offers do come in, obviously if they're substantial and worth doing, and there's a benefit to us as a team, if we have a replacement lined up, then we would consider it. But um, just selling someone to get some money into the club, that's not necessary anymore. There had been a suggestion previously that sometimes English clubs come in with a, a what could be considered a low ball offer, they expect Irish league clubs just to kind of jump at the money. Does it surprise them when you turn them down? Yeah, I think those days might, you know, it depends which club. Obviously, there's clubs, I, I don't know the business of the other clubs, um, but some clubs may need money. We, we may be in a position where we, we, we need some as well at some point. So, but yes, I think the English clubs have taken advantage of Irish league clubs a little bit in the past, especially with the youth players that are moving across, you know, the, the Irish League clubs are sort of forced to sign these uh, compromise agreements and don't get the full developmental fees. That's one area that the Irish League clubs suffer, um, when even compared to our League of Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, down there, they get the, they generally get the full developmental fees. So we are taking advantage of here, but hopefully those days are moving on as clubs become financially more secure. Um, as I said, the league's in a good place. The, the, the standard this year was... Uh, I believe a step up it was impressive. I think the players proved their quality. Every player, their quality, their resilience, their durability. You know, I'm sure some of the players even surprised themselves. But what I would say to that is, now that they've shown they can do it, you know, now we need to expect more from them. Not, not another season like this, which is really congested. But what those players, how they performed, was really impressive to me. And I think we need to now expect more from them. You know, how. How even if you're a part-time team, you know how can you create a more full-time environment? You know, you, in a in a part-time reality, how can you make your club appear more full-time? I know some clubs have already moved to training three times a week. You know, getting away from the old Tuesday Thursday, and you know, so our league's in a good place, and I think our players are better than they think, uh, or probably thought. You know, so I think this year really taught us that, or showed me that that these players are good, they are resilient, they are durable. They put in some shift this year that, that you know, bordered on a full-time professional demand. So let's, let's continue. Let's continue. Obviously, there's financial implications, you know, to um, having a full-time environment or training more. But like I said, each club each club knows their own financial constraints. I can't talk about them. The one thing I'll just say is, if you look around Europe, Look around any anywhere, but look around the top leagues in Europe. It's not a coincidence that the teams at the top of those leagues are generally, not all the time, are generally the clubs with the most financial clout. You know, I mean, look at the English Premier League this year, how it's going to wrap up. It's not a coincidence that the teams that are going to finish up top are also the clubs that have the money. So, unfortunately, that's, I don't want to say unfortunately, but that's just how football works. That's the reality. You know, and, and Europe gives any team that shot to increase their revenues. Selling players is a club that increase their revenues because it's a necessity if you want to sustain success. And 
being full-time professional obviously has a lot of benefits to it. So d- does that make Coleraine's achievement of being in the conversation for a tussle with you in the final game of the season as to who gets that second spot all the more impressive? You know, as a rival manager, can you say, well, you know, well done to them as a you know as a semi-pro club to be in that conversation? Yeah, I, I think what Coleraine's done with, with their squad is, is impressive. I, I, I'll, I'll definitely agree with that. Um, what what Linfield's done, impressive. Anytime you can win a trophy and do a double, that's impressive in any league. It's not easy to win any trophy, any uh, league competition. Um, Cole Rain, yep, with a small-ish squad. Um, players with a lot of experience, a lot of, lot of, you know, they've been in the trenches before. So, yeah, impressive what they did. Um, <clears throat> in terms of the, the resources they have, I mean, Cole Rain's been in Europe multiple times, so... I'm sure they're on a financially secure footing as well. I think they've managed their finances well. Again, I don't know the ins and outs, but that's the appearance. I know they're investing in facilities this summer, a new artificial surface, which will upgrade things up there. The pitch up there has been a struggle for everybody, including them. Um, you know, Limfield's moving towards a full-time model. Um, so, yeah, what Colerian did with what they have has been impressive. Um, Limfield, what they did and moving towards full time is positive news for the league, I'm sure. But again, you know, you've, when you've got the resources of a club like Limfield, who for a, a, a decade, and this goes back to my point that if you want to sustain success, money is essential. You know, Limfield has had the largest playing budget of any team for over a decade. And it's, it's not a, not a coincidence that the money correlates also to success. It's a necessity of football. I mean, I believe Limfield's um, wage bill this year as a part-time club was over a million pounds. And these are, you know, it's not me making these things up. These are in publicly available accounts. So, again, when you look at how teams sustain success, football requires finances. And we see it in our own league. We see it in the English Premier League. And that's why this fight to get into Europe is so vital for clubs. If Linfield is a million, what's Glen Torrens then? Uh, I'll, I'll be cheeky since you shared theirs. <laughs> uh, I think the nearest, and yeah, I think the nearest rival to that would be probably thirty to forty percent less than that. Okay. So, and, and we're not that. So, we wouldn't be close to that. So, I mean, again, these are these are publicly available. Um, clubs have to submit these to the IFA, and they're made publicly available, so anybody can do their homework and look at them. Um, but it, it, again, it shows you the, the, the necessity in modern football where, and that's why clubs are fighting so hard. I mean, you're going to watch these playoff games coming on next week and four clubs going at it because they know that they need to have money to maintain or try and sustain success. Yep. It uh, certainly makes a massive difference. I just want to finish on uh, your club, your players. That game against Lauren was essential and they won the match. How proud are you of your team being able to get over the line? That was a high-pressure game, and you're against a really good Lauren team. Yeah, I was I was pleased with the performance. I thought, you know, considering we went to Lauren, they are a good team, and I, I, I openly stated that all season. They, they played some really good football throughout the season, as did other teams. You know, um, some of the top teams we played, Cliftonville, you know, we had some great games against Limfield, we had some good games against Coleraine, all different in sort of the style of the game, but um, Salamina, John Alvin, you know, we had, there were some really good games, but to go to Lauren on that surface um, and how we, we performed, I thought we were 
I thought over the course of the game we we deserved it. I think the the intensity and the enthusiasm of our players and we put them under a lot of pressure and usually they're a team that can build and create chances and I think we denied them completely in the first half of that and then in the second half they had more of the ball but it wasn't their usual fluid, you know, creating chances and moving the ball into sort of the final third and getting territory. It was sort of more of long balls from them than usual. You know, they still had some quality play, but I think how we managed the game over the 90 minutes, I thought we deserved it. We created a few really good chances also. Um, Robbie McDade cut in from the left one time and bent one over the bar. And then, of course, the penalty call was a clear penalty. I mean, uh, a blind man on a galloping horse would have seen that as a penalty. But uh, our four officials that were there didn't seem to see it. So we created some good chances, and thankfully we got the we got the win. And it sets you up now for uh, action, obviously this weekend. The, the the mission get three points and see where that takes you, and then a couple of weeks off. I'm sure you you can't wait just to have a couple of weeks off at this point. Yeah, I mean the, the players will probably get a couple of weeks off now. We'll probably start mid June. Unfortunately, we won't. I mean, we'll still be working. Um, it'll be nice. I'll probably escape for, I'll escape for a weekend somewhere, um, if I can, maybe with the family, but it's, uh, unfortunately when, when the clubs, the players are away, the, the people that are working don't go away. We still have to be here. And it, look, in it for the glamour, Mick. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'd rather have it this way where it's only a, you know, a short off period and then we restart again as, as opposed to having, you know, five, six weeks off. And then trying to prepare for Europe. I mean, that's been traditionally the, the complaint of teams in the Irish League. The, you know, I remember when Glenavon got in multiple years and, you know, I remember Gary, speaking to Gary that, you know, you, you've got a month or four or five weeks off and then you're trying to get fit again in two or three weeks to play in Europe. Well, this probably works out better. A short off period, straight back into it. And we'll manage it from there. Very well said. Mick McDermott, thanks for coming on to the score. Thank you. The Score with Michael Clark. Now on The Score, it's time to welcome our next guest onto the show, and I imagine he's been uh, doing a fair bit of celebrating this week. Why wouldn't he? His team have just secured the double, having already won the Irish Cup. They are now officially league champions. He's the assistant manager at Linfield. Ross Oliver, how are you? All good, Michael. Uh, I haven't really done much celebrating yet. Uh, well, I haven't really had time to do much celebrating yet, but uh, hopefully that will come at the weekend. I was going to say, with venues opening up, I, I thought you would have been finally able to let your hair down, so to speak. <laughs> no, not, not, not yet. Not as of yet, but hopefully, as I say, within the next few weeks, we'll, we'll, be, able to, uh, we'll be able to chill out and maybe get out and let the hair down for a bit. It must feel like a real sense of relief to be at this stage of the season with the game left to play. But you know now Saturday's going to be at the end of a, you know, it's always going to be a tough match at Solitude. You've got a chance to celebrate in terms of getting your hands on the Gibson Cup and knowing that it's a double winning season after a very stressful season, I think, which has been clear for everybody to see. Yeah, listen, it's, it's, it's been a challenging season, not only for us, but for, for every club in the league. Um, and for the, the people involved in, in running the leagues and running the, the cup competitions. So it, it has, it's been really challenging. Um, but again, <clears throat> I suppose if you, if you look back to Tuesday night, um, again, I've heard some of our players, you know, coming out and saying, you know, relief is probably the, the, the main word that they've used. And, and to be honest, um, 
they're right because <laughs> you don't want to be going to a tough venue like Solitude in the last day looking to to get a win to get you over the line. We've already been there. We've <laughs> we had to do that three four years ago. Um, um, and we were one 0 down at half time against Luxembourg. Remember um, well. So, uh, so I can't. I can I can vouch for what it feels like. So um, yeah, I'm just glad we're just glad to get it over the line on Tuesday, and we can go and uh, hopefully put in a a good performance on Saturday and finish strong. Nice not to have to rely on an Andy Waterworth hat trick. Oh, definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. <laughs> when you you know you look at the last couple of weeks and they have been completely held under the microscope haven't they you look at the Lauren game the defeat there at Windsor Park people started to wonder what that would mean did doubt creep into your mind was there anything in your head thinking goodness we've the Irish Cup and the league here hanging in the balance and, and, and this has happened no absolutely not um, again it's, it's something that we we try to pride ourselves on um, in terms of you know our mentality and and I think I think once Doubt starts to creep into your into your mind at any stage, then you know you're in trouble. Um, it's, you, 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 do, you you are anxious and you you are worried at times. That that's that's just human nature. But you have you have to be strong. And um, again, our boys, the mentality of, of our players, and not only our players but our staff as well, has been the whole the whole way is stay strong, stay strong, be brave, stay strong, and 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 keep being consistent in what you do in your in your training. And in your build up the games and and you hope hope and pray that you're doing the right things and it's enough to, to get you there in the end and, and to be to be fair, it's been proven that it has been. And it was a battle against Corrine. I guess you knew it would be, but um your favourite part of the game I thought would probably be when that whistle went right at the end. Well, I I can tell you what my None favourite part was whenever the fourth official called told us it was four minutes added on. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we, we had a moment there of uh, uh, nearly collapsing in the dugout, but um, yeah, that, yeah. Listen, once the final whistle goes, uh, again you have all sorts of emotions go within the space of uh, a couple of minutes. Like you go through every emotion under the sun, and, um, and then the key one at the end is obviously the relief and 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 the pride. The pride, the pride that you have in, in getting over the line and, and the pride you have in, in, in winning cups and winning trophies it, and the pride in the players, more so in the players. Listen, the players are, players are, I think you alluded to it earlier though, when you talked about last Saturday, whenever we, Lawrence scored the, the, the late goal against us, you know, and our players have been, they've been down quite a lot of times, but they they always find a way of coming back and they come back strong and and I know they're, they're talking to a few of the players as well. You know some of the boys after the alarm game last Saturday out here were were beating themselves up. So to come back the way they did um, in the Irish Cup as well, you know it's a credit to them. They're 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 an absolute credit to themselves and how they go about their business. The speculation everyone had been saying for ages. What would it be like playing in front of fans again? How would that feel? And you're unfortunate with the way the late games went that your your you know your last two late games are away from home. So uh, you're you're very much up against other team supporters. But without question, those players really responded to having Linfield fans at the final. Yeah, listen, our our, our fans, our fans, are uh, everyone knows that our, our fans are demanding 
you know, the demand success and they're, they're challenging at times. But but um, whenever our way support our way support is unbelievable, um, and the cup final was more or less a way game, you know, at Mornby and the the fans being in there, yeah, it, it gives you a massive boost, it gives the players a massive boost, and and they support us. The supporters through second thin, you know, and it was brilliant to have them there. A couple of your fans have become kind of infamous, the Linfield Loyal Ladder Group, or what is it, Ladder Loyal? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever way around <laughs> those words go. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, a, I've seen a couple of them there the other day, and uh, one, one of them today actually uh, broke his ankle, I believe, uh, oh. celebrating, uh, and actually has spoken to him the other day, and said, did you fall off the ladder? Or? <laughs> But listen again, these these boys are they're they're brilliant. They're they're uh, blues men through and through, and they're they're always there no matter what. And even seeing small things like that gives you a lift, you know. Well, I mean, look, it's a it's a great success now. Three league titles in a row, four in five years. Um, when do you take stock of those sort of things? Because you know, I I know the busy nature of, of that you guys uh, have to deal with on a regular basis, and it's always on to the next thing. Do you get a chance to hit a little pause button and to say we've actually done this? Um, that's a good question. Um, to, to be honest, it probably hasn't sunk in yet. If I'm being honest, you know, and and I suppose you always have to try and find a bit of time to self-reflect, and hopefully within the next couple of weeks we'll be able to do that, and we'll be able to sit down and, like you say, hopefully maybe over a over a beer <laughs> and sit down and have a, a, a bit of reflection on on the season and. How it went and you know what we've done, but I, I, it, it's the nature of the game. The nature of the game is for me. I don't think you'll ever really appreciate what you've done till you're maybe not in the game. If, if that makes sense, you know, once you're finished, to sit back and go wow. But at the minute, we're we're just thinking now. Saturday, we're going to enjoy the day on Saturday, and then straight away we'll be back in the office on Monday, and we'll be you know planning ahead for the next season, uh, the European games. Um, and then obviously are transitioning from part-time to full-time. So, yeah, some people say you need your break, but sometimes it's hard to, to find that, that time to, to get your break, if that makes sense. Are you and David going to have to be hard taskmasters to make sure the players are you know, 100% focused on going out and, and, and playing their football match and, and not already thinking about, well, afterwards we're getting our medals, we're getting our trophy, we're getting whatever? Yeah, well, <laughs> again, it's, 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 it's a... Catch twenty two, and it? <laughs> you know, because we're we're thinking the same probably in our in our own minds, uh, our own minds as well. We're thinking, you know, it's not going to enjoy the day, but I think the competitiveness of us comes in whenever the you get to the ground and you and you get you get out for the warm up. Players are out for the warm up. I think they'll be thinking like, you know, right now there's a game here, and I've no doubt as soon as the, the first whistle blows, uh, the boys will all want to win the game like they will any other game. And you mentioned, obviously, that move to the full-time model. Um, Linfield fans, I think everybody knows by now, it means a few players are moving on because they can't commit to that. When you look at the likes of Waterworth, Stafford, Hockey, and and then people that are going uh, across the water by the looks of it, Shane Lavery will be uh, making a move and, and Joel Cooper's going to go back after the end of his loan deal. Um, a time of, of restructuring, I guess, a busy summer because you'll need to replace those guys. Yeah, well, again, listen, we, that, that, that process has started a long time ago. That process has been going for a while now. So, again, 
um, we'll be we're we're always speaking to players, speaking to agents. So again, the process has been ongoing. It hasn't. It's it's never really stopped. I'm being honest, you know. So um, again, hopefully, hopefully we will be able to. Listen, that's the same replace them because the the, the yeah. amount of success that these guys have had at this club and and the trophies that they've, they've all brought in while they've been at the club, you know, has been unbelievable, and they'll always be down in in, in the history books at, at the club. But um, I suppose, like everything, um, you have to you have to move on and you have to evolve and you have to start thinking about the next chapter. So, but we've, as I say previously, we we we've, we've already been been doing that. So, hopefully, then in the next few weeks, um, we can get some more some more stuff done in between. You know, so again, listen, it's it's it probably will be in a more an emotional day. On Saturday, because of them reasons that you just spoke about, than anything else, because you know these boys have been a, a massive part from the gaffer came into the club. You know, we, we've always been here, so to see Saturday as their last day, I'll be well, I will be emotional. An end of an era in some ways, because yeah, they've been yeah. they've been huge, uh, a huge factor in Linfield's success in recent years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the the only sad thing for me is, um, and probably for other people at the club is, you know, uh, the fans aren't going to, you know, we're not going to get to say a proper goodbye to them. You know, that's it's a bit of a pity, but listen, that's just where we are at the minute with obviously with the COVID stuff. You know, so there's nothing we can really do about that. Maybe I don't know. I'm thinking out loud. Maybe the club could arrange an event or something like that. If it, you know, someone does a risk assessment or something. <laughs> 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 could be right, could be right, but um, um, I don't, I don't know what way it's going to pan out. To be honest, I know it. I know exactly what you're saying there. Um, yeah. there was a bit of speculation earlier in the program about Linfield's wage budget. Um, you know, a million pounds or thereabouts. I don't know if you want to comment on that. Absolute rubbish. I just, uh, I'll leave it at that. Rubbish. So you won't be sending Ronaldo to replace Waterworth? <laughs> no. Listen, we 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 wish it was a million pounds, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, listen, I don't know where that came from. I don't know what the listen. The people at this football club know what the budget is, and I can tell you that's rubbish, rubbish. Fair enough, Ross. A clear enough point made there. And and, and just finally, um, for you, looking looking across this campaign, obviously the the silverware is something that you know you point at and you say, well, that's our success. What has been the what has been the most pleasing thing for you? After all the the challenges that everyone has come through this year, what has it been that's kind of helped get you through this season? Um, probably the togetherness of of everyone, you know, the staff and the players. Um, it's been they've been stuck together through thick and thin, and we've had our ups, we've had our downs, and um, again, obviously, not only just the the staff and the players, but the the families that have been around them as well, you know. I've, I've been there to pick them up when they're down and um, again with all the regulations and, and things have been on you know you have uh, Pat Fanlon who's done an absolute unbelievable job trying to manage all that and I'm sure he's had more sleepless nights than the many people trying to manage it but uh, yeah just the, the togetherness in the, of, of everyone I would say has been one of the, the biggest things that has got us through you know I had a wee laugh uh, the other week. I heard you do an interview and you said that uh, David Healy kicks you out of his office regularly. Hopefully he's being nice to you now. <laughs> yeah, 
Donc, tough, tough, mais non. <rire> um, again, yeah, no, we always have a wee laugh about that. Um, but again, sometimes, uh, uh, again, we always talk about, you know, we drive, drive each other on and, and sometimes we, we have our, our wee tiffs. But, uh, listen, it's, it's, it's working, isn't it? <laughs> so we'll keep having our tiffs if it keeps, keeps making us be successful. We'll, 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 we'll keep having our tiffs. It most certainly is working. Uh, Ross, thanks very much for coming on to the score. Appreciate it. No problem, Michael. Thank you. The score with Michael Clark. I told you it'd be a busy show today. We've heard from Glenn Torn and their manager Mick McDermott. We've just heard from Ross Oliver, the assistant manager at Linfield, and now joining us from Coleraine, it is their first team coach, Paul Owens. But it's great to have you on, Paul. After uh, a crazy couple of weeks, you took it down to the penultimate game of the season and uh, you've clinched your place in Europe. How are you feeling? Um, yes, on the European one, we're obviously delighted. Everybody at the club, you know, I think every club realises how big an achievement it is and how big a target it is, you know, for the financial side of things. And especially probably, I suppose, this, this year more than any other year because of the, you know, the pitch going down and all, it's also going to be a massive help. But, just a wee bit of disappointment also that we couldn't take it to the final day, but, you know, the season target is always European football and it's great to get that over the line, especially with two games to go. It does say a lot about Corian that you were in a title race right up to that point, considering the start of the season, and, you know, certainly we can say it now, no one was hiding away from it, it was dismal. <laughs> it was. Um, I think, wasn't it, we were 10th or 11th at a stage, and yeah. I don't think it was around December, but, you know, it's full credit to the players, and obviously Owen leads it really, really well, and, he never stopped believing and he just installed the belief in everybody else. And even whenever we were 11th in the league, it wasn't, there was never mention of us get top six. He was still looking to climb and go all the way to the top. And obviously that just spread throughout the squad. And then we started turning it around. I think it was a warning point. We started next and got a late one. And we just went on a great run from then. And I think we've maybe two defeats since then. But any time we got that defeat, I think it was Lumpfield and Cliftonville. We just bounced straight back and just went in the north, went in the north run and kept us, just kept us in the tails the whole way. It must have been a surreal time because you had that amazing European journey, but then back down crashing the earth in the league and going, how can we not buy a win? Uh, it was, um, I think Owen's words in the press was it was a European hangover, but look, there's no doubt the highs of the Maribos and all was great, but and it was maybe, you know, coming back into the league with no fans, it was a wee bit of adjusting, adjustments and, you know, it took us a wee bit of time to get up and going, but like, thankfully we got there in the end. I think it was around... Was it around December we started to turn things around and since then it's just been business as usual. It's been it's been great to take it to the final week, but you know, you can't hide there's that wee bit of disappointment that we just that we didn't be able to take it to the Saturday. Well that shows the ambition in the team and, and obviously the high standards that that Oren and yourself and, and everybody else holds the players to but hold yourself to as well. Yeah, plus that and you know, Oren leads it really well. He's always it's one game at a time, it's not really looking at league tables and thinking we just Based the cat and the team in front of us, and that was always the aim all the way up. When it was coming from 11th to 10th, say 7th, say 4th, it was always just trying to catch that next team in front of you. And just unfortunately, we got to second, and we just couldn't couldn't get up in that first position. You mentioned the fans. How good was it to hear that that vocal support on Tuesday? That was great. It honestly was. I was out setting up the warm up, and you could see them starting to come in, and you just you knew the noise that they were making. I know there was only 500 on there. You would have thought there was 2,000 with the noise they made. And, I think when Curtis hit that, Curtis hit the ball in the net, just late in the first half, you just heard the roar and it was 
would have would have just been brilliant for them to support on under the railway end at the end. If the address would have been kind enough to the ball with them. But unfortunately it wasn't the but luck was great to have them back and hopefully, you know, with a new pitch next year and hopefully all the restrictions down we can have some packed houses again next year. For anyone that doesn't realise what it means to get the new pitch, what would you say? Um well we train on it as well, play on it and look I, I do think especially with the teams you know, the smaller teams that maybe sit on it, it is a wee bit different and even my mates are saying it difficult to watch at times on the pitch, but you know, we go to Lawrence or we go to you know, we go to Solitude and all and you can see that we put in good performances. So I would just be have that as a as a home every week would be great. And just um we're training at the uni and all too and it's not the same. You go to the uni and you're not at your home ground. So it'd be great to have in your home changing room every Tuesday, Thursday and having a lovely four G surface outside. So hopefully that can really take us to the next level and help us compete compete regularly. You're no stranger to this league. You've been around uh, long enough. Just how much more competitive do you think it is now? And, and how would you say the standard has changed over the years? Um, oh, it's massively competitive. There's, you know, the amount of full-time teams. And even with this year, the, the volume of games and it's even more pressure on the part-time teams, I suppose, we're getting up on a Wednesday. Well, players are getting up on a Wednesday and going to work rather than the full-time teams probably going up for recovery sessions and also. Like there has been a couple of games, even at the Oval. I remember the first twenty minutes; they were they were really, really good and moved it about really well. And you can just tell if the full-time football is really telling for these teams and Larne as well. So, add Longford to the mix next year. It's going to be difficult, but you know we'll be we'll be hoping to maintain a challenge at the top end and you know go for all the major honours is is always the target. When you see the amount of full-time teams and you see Corian doing so well, semi-professional, there's probably some fans going, can we find a bit of extra money here? Can we go full-time? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, well, I remember listening to the chairman a wee while ago, I think Corian's a long way away from that. But, you know, you've seen sort of a couple of boys making exits in Longfield recently. Not everybody, full-time doesn't suit everybody. So hopefully we still have a good cash with the players and, you know, still get top-end players that maybe have full-time employment but, teachers or so on so you know hopefully still be able to compete at the top end and you know challenge put a league title challenge next year that'll be the target it's as well in- as a European run <laughs> it's an interesting aspect when it comes to player recruitment that supporters probably don't think about you know and, and understandably so because you just think I want him I want him I want him but you have to look yeah. at the whole picture oh you do I know and um, like even for like the one as a teacher as well so could he be able to go full time himself as a full time civil servant weekend Trevor, all full-time jobs, you know, it's not just feasible and of the financial side of things will be huge, but, you know, we can, we proved this year and with the volume of games that we can still compete and take it to the second last day, so hopefully we get our equipment right, get a couple on and, you know, a couple back from injury with, with the key injuries all over the pitch this year, and, you know, hopefully make a real strong start the next season without the European hangover and see where it picks us. Well, that's the thing, you know, when you, you look at uh, some of the, the problems you've had, even in defence, there was a period of the season where you didn't have Canning, then a period where you didn't have O'Donnell, and any team struggles with those kind of players out, forgetting about, you know, your Ben Doherty's and everyone else. Uh, exactly, and Gareth, being the goalkeeper, has been of out, course. you know, Marty Stone's excellent, but Gareth McConaughey's been out, Adam Mullen, who was fantastic last year, he, he played the last two games, and that's his first appearances in over a year, so, you know, if we had everybody fit for the, the European and get the good pre-season, you know, I, I don't see any reason why we can't why we can't win the serious challenge next year. And now we've got the UEFA Conference League, which we're all coming to terms with. I think it's the first qualifying round entry for Korean, but uh, I make it four wins and you're in a group stage. I know you'll say one game at a time, but do you know much about this new competition or is it very um, much suck it and see? No, I've just uh, done a wee bit of Google search and I think the first round is 
eat and fifteenth, so I'm just trying to think how much time time off we'll get. So I would imagine we'll get a couple of weeks off and be back in. And then obviously it depends how far you go in that. Like the season starting the twenty eighth of August or late August anyway. So we could hopefully we do go far in that and get through two or three rounds anyway for you know the financial side of things as well. And then then you'll be talking August again. Just it's going to be a long it's going to be a long long slog again just like this year. But look, we'll get a couple of weeks off and you know you don't mind coming back in early knowing that you're a European. Give a European eventually look forward. I and know. If it's, half as, if it's half as good as last year, it'll be, it'll be well worth it. Just how good was last year? I've spoken to some of the players, Paul, and I, th- I think everybody looks back at it and, and you know, still kind of has to pinch themselves. Uh, the weirdest thing is, one of the marvels how good it was and how good an experience was, is you wake up the next morning in your own bed. and It's so crazy. We, <laughs> we're done about an hour of kickoff or on a plane and we're back home. And I think we weren't back in maybe four or five in the morning, but you're waking up in your own bed and you're thinking, did that actually just happen last night? It was an unbelievable experience. Even the, you know, the James McLaughlin goal with a couple of minutes ago in the first round was, was brilliant. And then even the, Mar- the, the Motherwell one taking that the penalty could have went either way. It just, that was an unbelievable experience, really, to look back on. Even thinking about it now, just get the buzz, buzz going for next year, really, to be honest. Am I right in thinking you're a Man United man, Paul? I'm a Man United man. I'm a disappointed one today. But... I was going to say, you probably wish David De Gea was in that's from Motherwell. I do. <laughs> I do. Left out of it, man. United, the better. Left out of it, I feel your pain on that one. Uh, just briefly, one more league game, and you know we shouldn't be remiss of that fact. They're all half five kickoffs uh, this weekend as we we finish out the league season, and uh, it's a trip to Inver Park for your boys. Yes, and one more game to go is basically the message for Morn. You know we got our Europe, and there's a wee bit of disappointment all since Tuesday night. But look, if you can't come first, you want to come second, and. I think every other position in the top six is, is um, secured. Like, I think Crusaders six all the way up, bar second and third, the only thing they fight for. So we have to just expect them to are going to beat Cliff or Crusaders and we're going to Amber Park hoping to get the three points and kneel down that second spot for the second year in a row. That's the challenge ahead of you and it'll be an interesting game as well. Really good talking to you. Thanks very much for coming on to the score, Paul Owens. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, Michael. The score with Michael Clark. Time marching on rightly on the programme. A busy start to the show, as you would expect, with uh, hearing from the top three teams in the table, and that certainly will not change now. Those places secured as we head into this weekend's games, the last round of Danske Bank Premiership fixtures. Of course, next week there are semi finals and a final, that for the last European playoff place. But before we talk about that, let's welcome him back onto the show, folks. Colin Hopkins, how's things? Things are going very, very well, Michael. Good to speak to you. Almost the end of a very busy league campaign. And this is, for those that have been asking me the last couple of weeks, our penultimate show. We're going to do a show next week for the the playoff final as well. And then that will be all she wrote until the start of the next season. So we'll actually have a couple of Fridays off. Yes, thank goodness. I'll tell you what, I know it started late this season, but I, I don't think I can remember a season flying in so quick, to be honest. It seems like only a few weeks since it started, and here we are, talking about the end of it. It's been unbelievably quick this time. It has. Well, it has been long past weeks, but it's just not absolutely flown in. It's been bedlam as well. But um, before we talk about the league, actually, let's talk about the Irish Cup final. What were your thoughts on that? Um, I think Linfield fully deserved it the win, let's be honest about it. I think you know, from the very starting whistle out to the final one, I think they were the better side all around. I think Lang got a bit of a shock to see how much Linfield wanted it, even from the kickoff. They were just getting stuck in, so to speak, which you don't know is necessarily safe from a Linfield team, but 
think they had the measure of Lauren on the night and fully deserved their, their success and indeed their, their double success as it's turned out to be. When I went to Windsor Park for the Linfield Lauren League game, I said before the match to a couple of people, do you get the feeling that this is actually going to be the final? Do, do you think this is going to happen? And, and if it does, will one win you know, the other type thing? Because uh, I just have this superstition in my head that if you beat a team, the next time you play them, it's almost impossible. If it's a quick turnaround, it's almost impossible to, to pip them twice. I know it has been done, and people will probably say, well, this season definitely it's been done. But when you yeah. when you have a game like that, and um, and that's how it ended up bearing out, um, I thought Linfield were absolutely magnificent in the yeah. Irish Cup final. From the very first whistle to the last, they... They took out any pain that they felt from Lauren in the league on Lauren in the cup final. Yeah, very much so. It's as well as I've seen Linfield playing in a long time. And, you know, their attitude was spot on, 100%. As you said, they're right from the very start of the game. We're straight into them and basically they never get a chance to settle over match. So Lauren could play the, the football they're used to in Linfield for a play. Billy Bulls off the park and pretty deserve the trophy success at the end of the day. Last week, I mean, it's it's crazy to think this is a week ago already, but last week, sitting and doing the show with Marv McIntosh, we were in a position where we didn't even know if that final was going to happen. And a lot of people were contacting the program. Players that were involved in that final, people senior level at clubs and in the footballing world, contacting us going, have you heard anything yet? Do you know what's going on yet? And amazingly, the show was off air only a few minutes when a statement uh, just magically happened to appear saying, actually, all systems go for a final. That was all a nightmare, and it would have been much better if that had been sorted out sooner. But I I have to say, I was relieved to see a final. I know Crusaders and their supporters might be saying, well, actually, we'd much rather be in that final, and we're not happy with how it's unfolded. But just for pure football, I was glad that there was a cup final to talk about, and we could finally draw a line under everything else because it had been really, really messy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the whole, the whole situation was totally farcical, to be honest. I just couldn't believe it. You know, the, the more I read into it, I thought, what on earth has gone on here, you know? I mean, yeah, there was a touch of sour grapes about it. I'm sorry, Crusaders supporters, if you're listening, you can give off to me next time you see me. If you want, but I, I was just disappointed with the attitude. You know, at the end of the day, Lauren won the game. You can sort of bring up all sorts of points of question, but to me, the that absolute nonsense to be honest, you know, and Lauren really deserved it as the final. As you say, get to see the final excellent play it on the trophy being presented to the end. Well, I watched from home as I kept to my word, as I've done all season, I, I wouldn't go to any single game that I wasn't asked to work at because fans can't go to games with the regularity that they normally wouldn't have. I've stuck to that all season and sometimes I've been really, really tempted with Carrick Rangers just round the corner going, well, tell you what, and Maybe it was a mug for not trying to sneak into Carrick Rangers Glenavon the other night, given the amount of goals, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But but I've stuck to it. But Mark was working at it, and obviously uh, I've spoken to him uh, since then. And he was saying, people were saying to him as he arrived, we were listening to the programme, we were listening to see what was going on. So it just shows you the level of uncertainty that people involved in a cup final were tuning into the radio on the day of the final, trying to get a clue as to what was happening. Yeah, it was just so late on, as you say, before the decision was reached. You know, thankfully it was done in time, okay, but it goes the way that semi-finals had panned out only a few days beforehand. No one was expecting that, but yeah, it went right to the wire to see if the game would go ahead, but thankfully it did in the end. We got a good final as a result of that, you know. It was a very enjoyable watch. Very enjoyable watch. Now, the games taking place this weekend, all at the same time, 
customary, I guess, for the final weekend of the season. Slightly different, though, in that they're all at half past five. That is because one of the games is televised, so if you're going to keep them all at the same time, they need to fit the TV schedule. Um, no no waving and wagging angry fingers, please. But uh, Cliftonville-Linfield is the TV game, so let's talk about it first. Linfield, now we can say, are champions and double winners of an historic 55th Gibson Cup for Linfield and for David Healy, his fourth in five seasons. Uh, a word for them before we preview the match. Yeah, I think they deserve a congratulations. I've always been on record as if you want to win the Irish League, you've got to finish higher than them And then on this occasion, nobody was able to do that there. And I have sort of, to a certain extent, limped over the line a little bit in the last few weeks. You know, that have been as kind of fluent as they have, but kind of enough there in the tank just to, to get the results as required from that sort of viewpoint. I think they've only won one in their last five, so there was a bit of a stuttery finish towards the end, but you know, it was enough in the tank to get over that, that finishing line, which is what champions always do at the end, to be honest with you. Put enough points on the board and give yourself that luxury of dropping a few points later on. Exactly, exactly right. You know, you get yourself a, in a position when you can, not so much relax a bit, but just you can see the finishing line and that gives you that wee bit of final drive and desire just to get your you nose know, over that final line and claim the prize of the enemy, which is exactly what they've done. But as we said, and we'll talk about them later on, Corian deserved full credit for pushing them so, so hard considering the start of the season they had to be honest and all credit have to go to them as well for taking it right more or less to the last game not quite but almost to the last game the same yeah and we've just heard from paul owens and and given you know a really good account of of just how hard the season has been but uh, no complaints from Corian. uh a little disappointed because they would love to have taken it to right down to the wire but uh they took it down to the, the penultimate game of the season which is some achievement still uh, but on this one a trip to solitude uh, Ross spoke about it earlier in the programme. You know, there was only a few years ago, Linfield were going to Solitude in the final day, needing to win to win the league. Uh, they don't have that pressure on them this time, but they'll not want to, um, how should we say it? They'll not want to be distracted by what's happening after the match. They want to make sure they finish the season with a good account of themselves. Yeah, they'll certainly want, as you say, to get a good account of themselves. I can remember you know, a couple of years ago when they did need to get the result and the pressure really was on them. So they'll be delighted to be able to go to solitude with a wee bit more relaxation about them, knowing that they can afford to win, lose, or draw, and it'll not affect their the final league position from that viewpoint. They'll come up against the Cliftonville side who have had a bit of a patchy end of the season, as far as the experience time. Once again, they're still there in the playoffs, but I think it's only two wins and six for them now, so they'll probably be, you know, going into this game kicking themselves after conceding that late, late goal against Crusaders the other night. And it was just in a 1 1 draw after Tyro Connor gave them an early lead in that game. So they'll be determined to sort of end the season from their home supporters, which thank you, are back into the stadiums now on some sort of level. And they'll certainly want to sort of get one over. The champions, you know, at the end of the season, be a nice way to win the playoffs for Cliffin. If you are Paddy McLaughlin looking at this game, you don't want to, you know, necessarily uh, risk injury ahead of playoff semi-finals either, though. And I'm just wondering, weighing it up, you don't want to put out a really weakened team and end up being heavily beaten at home when your fans are back in. So you have to try and measure these things. Which way do you think he's going to go with it? Will he go yeah. full strength and, and, and you know, hope that nothing bad happens ahead of the semi-final or will he you know, make changes but risk the wrath of the home support? I think knowing Paddy he'll probably go as strong as he possibly can within reason he might he might take one or two out of the, the firing line so to speak but I think overall he'll try and put a good, a good team out there he'll certainly love to get one over Linfield especially as you say with the, the home fans are cheering for, for blood shall we say they'll want the result against their, their old rivals so uh, 
I think he'll put a decent side out, and I think he'll put a sort of lane on the line. And look, you're you're playing for your positions here, and so one or two players you might come in, might do a good enough job to maybe keep their place in the, in the playoffs when they come around. So that should be a good game. We'll talk about the tussle with second and third in a minute, but uh, just before we do that, what's your prediction on uh, Cliftonville Linfield then? I think Cliftonville might steal this one, to be honest with you. I think Linfield have done the hard thing. I think they're on their holidays a little bit, not to 100%, but I don't think we'll see the blood and thumb that we've seen in the last couple of games from them, to be honest. So I think Cliftonville might just, might just sneak this one here, thanks to the home fans being behind. The second and third battle is a fascinating one because... Both teams, as we know and we've just heard, are now in Europe. But for Glen Torren, regardless of what happens on the final day of the season, it's their highest league finish in a decade, 2011, the last time that Glen Torren finished in the top three in the Danske Bank Premiership. They could still finish second. Actually, the last time they finished second was before or, or further back than the last time they won the league. They won the league last in 2009, but it was 2008 that they last came second. Uh, but will they get ahead of Coleraine? What's at stake here? They're two points behind the bandsiders, but with a vastly superior goal difference. So Glentoran must win and hope that Coleraine do not win in order to finish a, a spot higher. And if nothing else, it's a bit of bragging rights. A bit of bragging rights, as you say, but uh, obviously a bit more prize money come the end of the season. Not a massive amount, but it's still a, maybe a few extra thousand pounds in the bank or so. I don't think it impacts on the European sort of... Uh, seasons in terms of that sort of viewpoint but yeah Glentoran would love to finish off second especially with Linfield winning the league they'll want to prove that they're on the on the rise or on the move up as they often say and they'll put a term to sort of challenge them next season so yeah Crusaders who are their opposition Saturday struggle of late to be honest I think they have they've won any game since the next split take place so um, a lot of eggs put in the one basket in the Irish Cup unfortunately they've cracked and leaked all over the basket unfortunately and that really leaves them under a lot of pressure now to They'll produce the results from the playoffs from that sort of viewpoint. But uh, I just think Crusaders on this occasion might take things a wee bit easier and once again rest. Not so much rest players, but take it not as easy or as hard as I've expected in previous games. So the Glens, I think, will come out on top in terms of this one. Okay, so uh, Glen Torren to get the win. That would put them on 71 points. Yep. Corian, will they win their match? That's where it gets interesting. I wouldn't fancy him having to go to the Larn, to be honest, you know, to try and pick up points, uh, especially the airplane at home this season. It's going to be a very, very hard, hard uh, place for Korean to go, get the result. Um, but having said that, week's a long time in politics, as the old saying goes, and an even longer time in football this time last week. Larn were looking forward to you know, an Irish Cup final. They were looking forward to possibly maybe moving into third place in the league, and all of a sudden here we are seven days later. Both those teams have been sort of shattered, so they'll not want to go any further, sort of further down in terms of that sort of situation. So it's going to be a hard, hard match, you know, for Korean to actually go there and get that result. Um, must be asking themselves, Korean, what they need actually to win the league, to be honest. You know, I mean, that's two, you know, the last three seasons have been absolutely fantastic, it has to be said. And yet they've just failed just so, so close, you know, to actually getting over that final finishing line. So there's only two defeats since only 29 games or in terms of. Koreans, which is a remarkable record when I mean, you consider how bad their season started, but they'll certainly want to finish with a flourish and end up on. Will they? I think they will. I just don't, I think that they're going to go this one last step, which will just take them into sort of second position. To be honest, I think the Glens will get the win, but I think the Korean will certainly pick up at least a point, which would be enough to, to see them home. Well, if Linfield were to lose and Korean were to win, um, you know, Korean would be looking at that and going, 
my goodness, only a couple of points in what if here and what if there. But uh, look, that's the, the thing that uh, we always say in football, you know, what if's no good to you. At the end of the day, it's all about the results. And Corian have put a tremendous, a really, really impressive run together. But it was yeah. that start that will ultimately have outdone them. So uh, they'll know what needs improved for next season. And next season is going to be an interesting discussion. I've already you know, mentioned it in the program with all the changes happening at Linfield. What will they look like? Glenn Torin tell us they're only going to make a couple of changes and they're confident that they can keep building. So will they be even better again? Will Lauren have learnt from some of their shortcomings this year? Um, and then Crusaders can't have as bad a season next year, can they? Can, you know, you start to look around and think, gosh, it certainly doesn't appear to be getting easier for anybody. And um, all the extra work Cliftonville are putting in off the pitch extra training sessions and things like that too. So, so many clubs are taking on a full-time approach, even if they aren't a full-time club. So um, that top six is going to be even harder to get into next season. I think that's the easiest prediction to make. The harder prediction will be who will finish on top of the pile next time. Yeah, as you 100% say, that's going to be a very, very difficult season all around for next season, you know. Um, Corian will certainly be fancying their chances up there or thereabouts. I think there are three days that are going in over this summer, I because I think that might sort of an impact in terms of how they do next season. I'm just not convinced they are a 3G team who can play on a 3G initially anyway to get, to get used to it. So that might go against them a wee bit, you know, until they actually settle into that, that new service. But as you say, time will tell us there's four or five, six clubs there. All the Van Brommers come next season. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Uh, there is, of course, a couple of games with plenty at stake, and that is in Section B, as they're referring to it, or the bottom half of the split, as I will uh, still call it, traditionalist as I am. And that is 7th and 8th. You need to finish 7th, otherwise you can't be in the playoffs. Simple as that. We know that. Glenavon occupy 7th. They're three points better off than Palomina. However, Balamina have a vastly superior goal difference. They're plus 21. Glenavon are plus 7. And the other night, Balamina fans were massive Carrick Rangers supporters, thought Carrick Rangers were the greatest thing since sliced bread until Carrick Rangers, Carrick Rangers did, and Glenavon ended up winning a really high-scoring game. Yeah, I'm sure Glenavon supporters' hearts were in their mouths when they seen the Virginia down at, at Taylor's Avenue and think, oh no, here we go again. Uh, but fair play to them to bounce back and score six goals in that, in that sort of latter stage of the game was phenomenal. So all credit to them. Uh, we actually covered the Mid-Ulster Cup final last week between the, themselves and Lock Gallops. You know, I know obviously it was a much rest on Glenavon's side, but I was speaking to Gary Hammond before the game and he was very adamant, obviously. Their whole season revolves around these getting in these playoffs, and he was really, really determined that they were definitely going to be there. And that's the first step out of the way. The second step is then obviously tomorrow, trying to get that result against Dungannon, which on paper looks like an easy fixture, but as been pointed out to me before, Dungannon can often be a bit of a bogey side, certainly in more view part when it comes to Dungannon. So it's one they'll have to be very, very careful of on the day. Well, I'll tell you what, if you lose your European playoff spot on the final day of the season by losing at home to the team who finished bottom, you would be most unhappy. Just a bit. I don't know, to be honest. I mean, the gallon, they'll be glad to see the back of the season. I think it's uh, when they had one, one win their last 23 games. That shows how poor their season has been, to be honest. But, I mean, they're already making you know, plans towards next season. I see they've got on a young coming player, Darren McBrown, who's quite highly rated from Balnamala, I think, during the week. So, obviously, Dean Shields is already planning the head for next season. I won't be looking 
you just want to see the back of this particular one and move on from there. As you say, if Glenavon do slip up on the day and let Palomino in through the back door, they will be absolutely kicking themselves inside. Well, just for a bit of added drama, I'm going to hold on and getting your prediction from that one. Let's see what you think first of Palomino United Portadown. Well, Palomino, as I sort of said maybe several weeks ago, I think I said, I suspect that Palomino would go on a run towards the end of the season and keep on winning the women, but I also suspect that Glenavon would do similar. And to their credit, both sides have, have kept up my, my, my word is in those ones there. They both have kept up winning and winning. So they have obviously you know kept on the pressure in Glenavon. Uh, you know, they're obviously looking one to go over their shoulder and hopefully Glenavon will step up along the way. But, you know, Palomino have done very, very well with it, but it's a tricky end of finishing the season with against, you know, put a downside who have now proved that they're, you know, they're, they're decent enough to be in the Premiership. Obviously, they'll be, it's the end of their first season back, and they'll be determined to put on a good performance you know, to, to buy out of them. And Portadown have won three of their last five as well? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They've, they've found a wee bit of confidence in their own ability all of a sudden. Uh, obviously, there's big news during the week about the link-up with Burnley and so forth, so there's definitely exciting times ahead for the club for Shamrock Park. And I think the mood in the camp's very, very positive, so it's it's not an easy game for Balamina to finish it off. So the winner will be who at the showgrounds? I think Balamina will just squeak home. I think they'll win 2-1, which is probably the same result I think the last time the time went to the showgrounds. I think they will sneak home again because I think the emphasis is on them to get the result. But I don't think it's going to do them an awful lot of good because I think you know, Glenavon will get the result uh, against Dungannon at the moment on this occasion. And goals-wise, Glenavon are banging them for funding. It's 21 goals in the last six games or something. So they're flying it. Can't see Dungannon being able to provide much resistance in the back and I can't see them breaking them down even more, maybe more than once. So one for a home win in both games. Interesting. Uh, on Glenavon's goal record, and you have to factor in that they're in the bottom half of the split, which will assist their goals tally, but they do have the second highest goals return in the league behind Linfield, but they're in the bottom half of the split. They're in the top half of, or sorry, they're top of the bottom half, so um, you have to factor that in. They've played extra games against the, the so-called weaker teams, so uh, that will give them a bit of a boost too, but definitely a very strong attacking side, and um, they'll fancy their chances against a team that have shipped 82 goals this season. And anyone gasping and going, my goodness, that is atrocious. Well, uh, sorry, but uh, my hometown club can beat that. They've conceded 89, and they finished their campaign away to Warren Point Town. Okay, well, that's, if, the, if there's any dead rubbers tomorrow, this is it. Uh, Warren Point against Carrick's not going to exactly be a big crowd puller, let's be honest, from that sort of viewpoint. Um, both sides are just sort of saying, thank goodness the league's ending tomorrow, I, I would suspect. One point, and for some reason, you know, they've been playing well this season, and they've had good spells and bad spells, but they've only, I think, two wins at home all season, so which is unusual, because Belltown's usually a fortress for them. It's very, very hard to go to get a result, but they've obviously struggled there this season, so that's something they'll need to put right when we're looking ahead sort of in the next season. Obviously, since we last spoke, I mean, Carrick have obviously changed their manager. Now, Curry's obviously disappeared. He was still there when we were last t- discussing online. So, I'm not sure who's going to come into that job. Tomorrow, so I'm not sure if you have any inklings at all, but I'm not sure who's going to take that position on. Uh, I've turned it down. <laughs> oh, have you? <laughs> I haven't thought you approached me yet, Michael, so I'm okay at the moment. <laughs> I says I love them too much to go through any more pain. <laughs> um, it's going to be an interesting appointment, no matter who they appoint. I mean, I've seen Glenn Taggart mention a wee bit, Eddie Patterson mention up some of the usual suspects, but it'll be an interesting appointment whoever comes on board to take that one on, because it's a difficult job, let's be honest, when you're competing against some clubs with big financial firepower to be honest, in the top division. Yeah, that's... Uh... 
certainly uh, certainly the case. Um, so it looks like from your predictions, Colin, everybody's going to finish the day where they started the day. More or less. And I, I think this, this last game will be an absolute poor draw, to be honest. You can see it in either nil nil or one each. You can see a draw for them to finish, so I don't think there's going to be any movement there. There you go. Well, give the players an extra day off. Who needs Saturday then? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, there's a, the wrap-up of the games, Colin. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, we're a little over time, so I just want to quickly, quickly uh, mention the way the playoffs work. That is... Fifth against sixth is confirmed. That is one of the playoff games. That's uh, going to be Cliftonville against Crusaders next week. The other playoff game will be Larn at home at Inver Park against whoever finishes seventh. Ballymena United are the outsiders for that. It looks most likely to be Glenavon. Glenavon only need a point on Saturday to confirm it to be them. Or, of course, if Ballymena are unsuccessful in their game and do not win, that would also be enough for Glenavon. So, Larn against Whoever finished 7th, Cliftonville versus Crusaders, and then the final being the winner of those two matches, clearly. So, with that in mind, in a word, who are you backing to win the playoff? <laughs> this is a very good question. I think Lauren might be the successful you know, uh, team on this occasion to make their way into Europe. Okay, there we go. We'll see. We can pick it up again next week, ahead of the final anyway. But uh, Colin's early inkling is the team finished highest out of those uh, four sides from four until seven so there you go thank you very much colin no problems nice to have you back on again and thank you for listening all that remains to be said is enjoy your weekend of sport bye-bye